Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, unlocking the power of Thinkorswim, the award-winning trading platforms loaded with features that let you dive deeper into the market. Visualize your trades in a new light on Thinkorswim Desktop with robust charting and analysis tools, all while you uncover new opportunities with up-to-the-minute market news and insights. Thinkorswim is available on desktop, web, and mobile to meet you where you are. It's built by the trading obsessed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. The U.S. Postal Service, they deliver 513 million pieces of mail a day. That's more than 40% of the world's total volume. They have the largest fleet of trucks, more post offices than the combined retail outlets of McDonald's, Starbucks, and Walmart. We're going to talk to the author of a new book, Neither Snow, Now Rain, Devin Leonard. He'll be joining us. Right now, let's go to Catherine Cowdery in the Bloomberg Newsroom for a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you, Pim. And Bloomberg Taking Stock is brought to you by SEI. In the future, the asset management business will be profoundly different. Find out how SEI's global operating platform can help you navigate the new operational frontier at SEIC.com slash imagine. Well, the stock market is clawing back some of the ground it lost last week. The benchmarks are advancing, helped by gains in banks and consumer discretionary companies. Traders have lowered their expectations for higher interest rates in June after data show manufacturing slowed last month. Tom Lee, head of research at Fundstrat Global Advisors, says the S&P 500 can still post double-digit gains this year. Look, economic data has improved. Um, the technicals are certainly a lot stronger. But I think the probably the single easiest thing to focus on is, is how good conditions are in, in credit markets. Uh, you know, high yields on track to have a double-digit year. And I think that's all equity investors need to know. Stocks basically follow high yield. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Dow Industrial Average is up 109 points, a gain of six-tenths of a percent, trading at 17,882. S&P 500 up 14.7-tenths of a percent to 2,079. The Nasdaq is up 32 points, two-thirds of a percent, trading at 4,807. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil down a dollar eighteen a barrel, 2.6% to 44.74. Spot Gold is up 60 cents an ounce to 12.90.90. And the 10-year Treasury is down 8.32 with a yield of 1.86%. 
Among today's top business stories, construction spending increased in March to its highest level in more than eight years. Gains in home building and non-residential construction offset a drop in government projects. The Commerce Department reported construction spending increased three-tenths of a percent in March after a one percent increase in February. And now let's get an update of some of the other stories we're following today on Bloomberg Radio. Catherine, thank you. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Mark Crumpton. This news update is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today. Campaigning in Indiana ahead of tomorrow's primary, Democrat Bernie Sanders is making it clear he's trying to persuade the party's so-called superdelegates to switch allegiance. He told supporters in Evansville beating the Republican Party has to be the priority. The point that we're going to make to the superdelegates in an area where Hillary Clinton and I agree, and that is it will be a tragedy for this country if we end up with a Donald Trump or some other Republican in the White House. Mr. Trump is once again leveling charges that his party is working to block his nomination. The bosses are trying to run it. You know, it's a rigged party. It's a whole rigged situation. The bosses, like in Arizona, the bosses, I win Arizona in a landslide. I beat Cruz so badly, it's almost ridiculous. And then the bosses have uh, delegates. They have a delegate, a crooked delegate system, where they go in and they try and get delegates so they can play games. New York Senator Chuck Schumer is calling for a federal probe into an outdoor advertising company's latest effort to target billboard ads to specific consumers. Schumer has dubbed Clear Channel Outdoor America's so-called radar program spying billboards, warning the service may violate privacy rights. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus around the world. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Mark Crumpton. Catherine? Thank you. Now let's get a quick update of the equity benchmarks. Dow Industrial Average is up 103 points at 17,876. S&P 500 up 14 points to 2,079. NASDAQ higher by 30 points. It's trading at 48.05. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. The U.S. Postal Service. It is much maligned, but yet it does deliver 40% of the world's total mail volume. And if you rely on Amazon to purchase your goods, chances are the U.S. Postal Service has a hand in getting them to your door. Here to tell us everything about the U.S. Postal Service is Devin Leonard, a reporter for Bloomberg Businessweek. And he is here to tell us about his new book entitled... Neither Snow Nor Rain, a landmark century-spanning social, political, and economic history of the United States Post Office. Devin, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming no, in. Thank you, Ben. And congratulations on the book. Thanks. Well you, well, you know, it came out of an article that I wrote for Bloomberg Business Week in 2011. It was a cover story called The End of Mail. And uh, that got a ton of response, and it led led to doing this book, which is... I guess not just the end of mail, but the beginning of mail too. It goes all the way back to the ancient Abyssinians in uh, you know 2000 BC. So, I was going to make you uh, say the motto, I guess, of letter carriers everywhere. You know, neither rain nor snow nor gloom of night, and so on. But what, tell us a little bit about your researches for the book, and then we'll get into some of the things you found out. Well, it was really really fascinating. I I, mean, I spent a lot of time talking to former postmaster generals. 
Um, I spent a bunch of time in Washington. I, I went out to Detroit and looked at the archives of the National Letter Carriers Association, the, you know, the union for the letter carriers, and also the postal workers, sorry, the clerks union. I guess they have a big archive in New York, too, that I sent a researcher to. It was actually my son who uh, did a lot of work on this, too. But uh, it's just it was a, a lot of reading, a lot of talking, a lot of studying, and the, the whole thing was pretty fascinating. And you went into the back rooms of a lot of the postal service uh, operations, correct? I, yes, I, I have. I, I wish I could go to go to even more, but I've been to a bunch of them in, in, in New York, and it's, and, and it's just really interesting because what everybody tells you is is you know is that you have all these letter carriers pointing to these stacks of mail and they're just saying they used to be three or four or five times higher and and everybody's walking around with much less mail in their bags and and it's you know it's 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 disappearing even though there's they're still they still delivered i guess 154 billion pieces that's down from uh 213 billion just a decade ago so um so you know the future of the postal service is kind of uh uh, in, in doubt, in jeopardy. So Now, there are people, I don't know many of them, but I do know people that they love to sort of heap abuse on the uh, U.S. Postal Service. Tell us a little bit about this, in some words, this lumbering bureaucracy. But you say it's not. It's, it's efficient. Well, it depends on how you want to look at it. I mean, clearly clearly they they are lumbering sometimes, but they deliver more mail per employee than any other postal, you know, postal service in the world. So if you just look at efficiency, you know, you know, measured in in that way, they're by far and away the most efficient postal service in the world, or in, and in history. Paying for your mail to be delivered has changed since the postal service began. Yeah. Tell us a little history about uh, stamps and the postal service. <laughs> no, I think that's one of the things that that I, I was fascinated by. You know, one it sort of led me to want to write the book was that. Pete, there was no home delivery for a long time. Everybody had to go to the post office uh, to get their mail. Imagine what the lines were like then. I mean, they're not so good. They're, you know, they're pretty long now, but there was no home delivery, I guess, or, or very limited home delivery until the Civil War when uh, Abraham Lincoln's postmaster, General Montgomery Blair, he saw all of these women, wives, and girlfriends of soldiers just waiting and waiting from the post office for letters to come, and he just thought that you know, that was wrong. So he started city delivery, and then, and then uh, John Wanamaker towards the end of the 19th century started pushing for uh, rural free delivery and 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 that that uh that passed about a decade after he left but but I, I guess all of those things are are relatively new especially especially free rural delivery for the longest time people in rural areas still had to go to the post office even when there was home delivery in cities now postal carriers used to make multiple deliveries a day yeah. you say that in some places seven times a day well and and there was there was at least Twice a day delivery until, uh, 1950. So for, so from, for most of the postal service history, there were multiple deliveries a day. And in places like New York, that, you know, there were as many as, as seven deliveries. So no, no, it's just incredible. You just saw your, your, your mailman all the time and you could send a letter in the morning and get a response in the afternoon. So who needed email? By law, you say the U.S. Postal Service has to visit every address in the country six days a week. Is that under threat? Well, it's under threat. It's sort of unsustainable because the problem is is that the amount of mail is going down, but the number of addresses goes up. There are a million new addresses every year. Every time there's another housing development, I mean, you know, that's a bunch of new mailboxes. So that's that's going to kill the postal service unless they unless they change they change their business model. And they've been trying to do it, but Congress won't let them. So I understand also that people trusted the postal service so much that they actually 
sent their children through the postal system. I know that blows everybody's mind. No, I, I, mean, I mean, this was after after the postal service began delivering parcels, and that was in uh, 1912. Uh, people just started sending all sorts of things through the mail just to see sort of, you know, what they could get away with. And there, there's some famous cases, a famous case in Idaho, where uh, I guess a family sent their their young daughter, May, May Pierstorf was her, was her name. Rather than buying a train ticket for her to go visit her grandmother, they went to the post office and paid 53 cents uh, to send her to send her in the mail. The, the, post, the postmaster actually put the, put the stamps on her coat. They put her on her train and they took her to see her grandmother. And there you go. There you go. Devin Leonard, the author of the new book, Neither Snow Nor Rain, A History of the United States Postal Service. Bloomberg Taking Stock is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you could invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.